Well, we're going to get into our message this morning, and um, yeah, I don't know, I'm encouraged already, and um, I don't know about you, if you realise this week that it is now August, like, oh my goodness, eight months in, um, August is probably the best month of the year, um, it's my birthday in a couple of days, no biggie, no biggie, um, but you know, we're so far into the year, and I wonder if you look back over the course of this year, can you look back and see that you have grown in your faith? Like, have a, have a look back. Just take a moment to think back and have, ask yourself the question, have I, have I grown in my faith this year? I think it's important regularly to check in with that, to take time to actually think about, actually, am I, am I growing my faith? Am I drawing closer to God? And Because um, I think... You know, we, we, we caught up with someone this morning and then we came out and I saw Mercy on the stage practicing his song and I was like, oh, that was me. I was done. I was in tears. Because, like, it's, for me, it's this moment of, like, actually I can see how he's grown. He's come to this point where, like, yeah, I can do that. So as we go through this morning, I want you to keep that in the back of your mind. Have I, have I grown in my faith? Am I growing closer to, to Jesus? And... Um, Hopefully this morning will be helpful as we do that. We are looking at this morning Romans 7. So if you've got your Bibles, you can turn there. It'll be on the screens. And um, we've, been, we've been going through Romans over the last number of weeks. And um, we're into our last two. So today and next week. And then we're going to wrap up there. And it's been like, if you know the book of Romans, like the first six chapters, like, are just like heavy, heavy, like Paul is just going to town explaining the gospel, explaining what Jesus has done. And it's like really, really good stuff. And then ch- chapter 7 comes and it's almost like the reality check. It's almost like, okay, but this is what it feels like a bit practically. And so this is the words of Paul. And some people argue whether it's Paul or not. I think Most evangelical scholars would say that this is actually Paul's words. Um, But some people struggle to reconcile what he says with um, the truth of the gospel. So let's keep that in mind as we go. We're going to read from verse 15 as Paul unpacks his struggle with sin. Romans 7, 15. For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want but I do the very thing I hate. Now if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law, and the law is good. So now it's no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what's right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good that I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. Are you following that? I do not do the things I want. I don't do. The, Paul's aren't the reality that we feel. We struggle. We don't do the things we want to do. We do the things that we don't want to do. So verse 21. So I find it to be a law that when I do right, evil lies close, close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind, making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. 
So then, I, serve, I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but in my flesh I serve the law of sin. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by flesh, could not do. By sending his own Son in the likeness of spiritual flesh and for sin, he condemns sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but you are in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is alive because of righteousness." If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. And there's our reading. And we're going to look at, I wanted to read a big section because it's important to get the massive sweep of what Paul's talking about here. But just to kick us off, thinking about Paul's early words, I don't do the things I want to do, the things I don't want to do, I do. Like, hands up, anyone can relate. Can anyone relate to a struggle with sin? All right. I'm sure we're all in the same boat, and we're in good company. This is Paul. Like, he's the guy who wrote a third of the New Testament, like, apostle, missionary, and yet here he's saying, I struggle. I'm doing the things I don't want to do. The things I do want to do, I can't do them. And, um... I just want to focus in on this verse real quick because I think we can't, we can't ignore it because like, the passage clearly talks so much about sin and flesh and death. And so in verse 23, I want to focus in there where it says, I think we've got it on the screen, do we? Hey, there we go. It says this, For I delight in the law of Lord in my inner being, but in my members, which is my body, I see another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Three quick things I want to mention on this verse, these verses. Number one, it says that sin is a law. Not as in the law of God, which is the start of the verse. It says the law of God, which is sort of the Old Testament law. But then he talks about the law of sin. And this law of sin is like, it's kind of like um, a principle of life. You know, a sort of governing law of the world. Like we talk about the law of gravity. So Paul is talking about the law of sin. This sense that even though I, I just keep get dragged back. I try to take a few steps, but it just drags me back in. And, I, and it's a law that no one voted on it. No government's decided, you know what, it'd be great to institute gravity. It'd be great if we... No, like gravity's just there. And in the same way, what Paul is saying is that that's the nature of sin. It keeps dragging us back. It keeps holding us down in our flesh. And we can probably see that in big decisions and big parts of life. But I want to encourage you to think about, think about the little moments in your life. 
the times when you go out onto the sporting field and think, I'm going to be a really good sport today. I'm not going to argue with the ref. I'm not going to do anything bad. And then it just drags you back in and your sinful nature rises up again. You get home from work and you think, I'm just going to have a nice, peaceful night with my family. And then you realize the dishwasher's not unpacked and all of a sudden the sinful nature rises up within you. You go to work and you've planned out the conversation you're going to have. I'm going to have this conversation. It's going to go perfectly well. He's going to say this. I'm going to say this. And then all of a sudden something different said and your sinful nature rises up and the law of sin drags you back in. Even though we have the best intentions, we need to realize that sin is a law. The second thing this verse says is that sin is a war. That there's this internal conflict, this wrestle with, am I going to do God's will? Am I going to do my will? I'm going to go for God's kingdom, my kingdom. Am I going to go with the spirit, as Paul says, or am I going to go with the flesh? And we need to recognize this war, like Donna said at the start, like there's a battle going on. In Genesis 4, in the story of Cain and Abel, God says to Cain, right about, he's right about to like do something real bad. And what does God say? He says, sin is crouching at your door. And it desires to have you. But you must rule over it. This picture of sin crouching at your door. It's like in 1 Peter 5 where it says, Your adversary, your enemy, the devil, he prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. And a lot of us have seen the Lion King in the last couple of weeks. We can picture that lion Prowling around, crouching, desiring to have someone, desiring, seeking someone to devour. And that's what the Bible describes the enemy. That's how the Bible describes sin. Not something that's just completely harmless, but something that desires and is crouching and it prowls around. And I think there's some of us this morning that might not be taking the war seriously. And the reality is the enemy is. So we have to wake up to the war around us. So sin is a law that we can't escape, and it's a war within us that we cannot win. And number three, we see that sin is about taking captives. It takes captive us to this law. It holds us in. Even in, um, in Romans 6, we heard last week that, that we are slaves to sin. We are slaves to sin in such a way that it leads to death. So sin takes captives and it leads to death. So therefore sin is never harmless. It's always serious. And I mean just look at the way that when you tell a lie, let's say you tell a lie, look at the way that you can so easily get trapped within that. Because all of a sudden you've got to tell another lie to cover that lie up. You think, oh it's just harmless. I'll just tell my boss I can't make it to work today, I'm sick. When you're not sick, it's a lie. And then all of a sudden you've got to watch what you say to your other colleagues. You've got to watch what you put on Facebook or Instagram that day because, you know, who knows what went. And we, and of course in other circumstances you see people who have become so convinced of their story that they are like living this lie. And we get trapped by sin. We become a captive to it, a slave to it. I don't know why that keeps doing that, sorry. Um. Put it this way, I don't know if you've ever thought about the end results of sin. Because 
the reality is, is that captive, it takes captives and it leads to death. Imagine, this is a good way I've found to think of sin. Imagine if everyone in the world did that sinful action all the time. What kind of world would that be? So once again, take lying. Imagine if everybody lied all the time. What kind of world would that be? That would be one of destruction and death, yeah? You wouldn't be able to trust anyone. You wouldn't be able to build any healthy relationships. You wouldn't be able to... You'd be so anxious and insecure. If someone comes up to you and says, hey, your hair looks really good, they'll be, well, they're lying. And so you... But then you think your hair looks good, but then are you lying to yourself and you're getting a haircut every two days and all of a sudden you don't know what to believe? Like that's the nature of sin is that if everyone did it all the time, that world is death and destruction. Replace lying for anything, violence. Replace it with sexual immorality. Replace it with greed. Replace it with gluttony or pride. Imagine if that was our world. So sin is not just harmless it leads to death and destruction desires to take us captive and it's always not fun to start a message like this but we probably get to a point where we feel like Paul who says wretched man that I am like what hope is there is there any way forward for us what is he saying who will deliver me from this body of death it's just this statement of like utter like I'm broken. Can't do it. Who will deliver me from this body of death? And of course the very next line, famous words, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. He just says thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. We have a deliverer. We have a savior. We have someone who will breathe life into our body of death. And that is Jesus. See, if you look at the end of the passage that we read in Romans 8.11, it says that. It says, although the body is dead in sin, the spirit gives life. For if the spirit of him who raised Christ Jesus from the dead dwells within you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies. He's not just talking about eternal life one day. He's talking about life here and now. That just in in Genesis, when God grabs dust and bones and he breathes his life into them, and so comes humanity. In the same way, Jesus takes our body of death, gathers it up, breathes his spirit in, and there is life again for his people. That is what Paul is talking about in this, in this passage. That there's a body of death and there's a way of the flesh, but there's also a way of the spirit. And there's a way of life because of what Jesus has done. And Paul's been leading to this all throughout these last few chapters. In chapter 6, verse 4, it says, We were buried. We were buried with him. Just, just as Christ raised from the dead, so we too might walk in this newness of life. Because we're dead with sin, because we're raised with Christ, we have a newness of life. The next chapter, in in chapter 7, it says that we're being released from the law, having died to what held us captive, so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit. So the reality is that the way of sin is not the only way anymore. There's a new direction for us to head. 
with his spirit into newness of life. And I guess my big encouragement for us this morning is, like we know the ugliness of sin. We can see its destructive ways. We can see the harm it causes. But do we know the beauty of the gospel? Do we know the life that comes through knowing Jesus and living by his spirit? Do we know that? Do we live that? Like we heard someone profess that. But do you as an individual know that in your heart? Do you know the ugliness of sin? Do you know the beauty of the gospel? And so what I want to do through the rest of our time is just have a look at what this way might look like. Because we all know what the way of sin looks like. We all know what it looks like to struggle and to fall into that. But what would it look like for us, I guess, to head in the direction from death to life? What would it look like for us to head with the Spirit? And so as we go through, once again, the question for you, which direction am I heading in? If I look at the last few months, if I look at the past year, what's the overall direction of my life heading in? Which way is it going? Towards God or is it going in your own direction? And so I want to just give three quick things that the Bible teaches is the direction of the Holy Spirit. What's this new way of life look like? Number one, the direction of the Spirit is towards Jesus. Sunday school answer, but important for us to understand that one of the most important things the Holy Spirit will do in your life is move you towards Jesus. In John 16, Jesus talks about the Spirit coming to convict us of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. He says that the Spirit will guide us into the truth, that the Spirit will remind us of all that Jesus said. It says that the Spirit of truth will bear witness about me, about Jesus. And the Spirit comes to lead us towards Jesus. And one of the primary ways that happens is through the conviction of sin. So if we feel convicted of sin, that is a work of the Holy Spirit. Which feels a bit weird, because we feel like the Spirit should be like making us feel happy and joyful. And sometimes we've got to feel the depth of that sin, so that we can actually move towards the depth of God's love and grace and forgiveness. See, it's only once we realize that this body of death is a body of death that we can actually move towards the Spirit who gives life through Jesus. We can be driven to the cross knowing that we find forgiveness, knowing that we find grace and love. So if you feel the conviction of sin, if you feel that guilt, if you feel that heaviness, I believe that the Bible teaches that's the Holy Spirit. But the important thing is, what's the next step from that? Because a lot of us feel that, and then our next step is to either stay in a place of guilt, or stay in a place of shame, or stay in a place of trying to fix it ourselves. But if we feel that conviction, if we feel the Spirit, the next step that the Spirit wants us to take is towards Jesus, towards Him and to His cross, so that we know His forgiveness and love. Because as Paul teaches... In Romans 8, in Christ Jesus, there's no condemnation. If we are in Jesus, the conviction does not lead to us being like cast out. The conviction leads to a place where we're actually not condemned. We're actually saved. We're actually redeemed. We're actually made new in that place. 
Jesus said, I did not come to condemn the world. I came to save the world. And so let that conviction, let that challenge actually drive us to Jesus and to knowing him more. Because he's the one that condemns sin in the flesh. He's the one that fulfilled the requirement of the law. And he's the one that we find our hope in. So number one, the direction of the Spirit towards Jesus. Number two, the direction of the Spirit is towards holiness and sanctification. And this is really, I think, what the whole passage is about. You can either set your mind on the Spirit, on the flesh, which is leads to death, or you can set your mind on the Spirit. That's what Paul's talking about in the start of chapter 8. That's the two ways about it. You can either set your mind on the flesh, set your mind on the Spirit. And so um, this is something we've done in youth group a few times. Can I get your hand, Joel? I want you, I'm going to start here and just make a line all the way down to like the aisle. The aisle's a bit bigger this morning. Wait, I'll turn it upside Yeah, that's the way. Let's see how that goes. So I've done this in youth group a few times. And... You know, we, we sort of talk about sin being a, a line, yeah? We know that there's things that we shouldn't do. Like, it's, it's kind of sinful to murder someone, yeah? That would be crossing the line, yeah? We're in agreement there. All right, good, good. But for many of us, we don't spend a whole lot of time crossing the line. We just spend a lot of time hanging around the line. Like, I'm not going to murder anyone, but I'm going to be a bit angry. I'm going to be a bit, you know, abusive with my words. And, like, I'm not sort of crossing the line, but I'm getting a little close. You know, I'm, I'm yet to have a young person come up to me and say, Hey, Joel, what would, how would I have the most, like, holy and pure relationship? You know, that's not the question I get. The question is, how far is too far? Like, I know what the line is, but like, how far is too far? And what Paul is saying in this passage is that's the wrong mentality. It's not about how far to the line can I get. The thing is, what Paul is saying is that actually I want to lead you a different way. I want to show you a new way of life. I want to show you that there's something greater away from the line. In 2 Timothy 2.22, really easy verse to remember. A lot of twos. He said, Paul says, Flee, flee from sin. He says, pursue God. And he says, to do it along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Paul doesn't say, hang around. He says, flee. Run the other way. And don't just run to nothing. Actually run and pursue God. And to do that along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Like You cannot avoid the line by yourself. I think some of us need to be reminded this morning that actually God wants us to run with people. The Spirit of God dwells in the people of God. So find people that have God's Spirit in them to help you on this journey. See, in Galatians 5, Paul talks about the fruit of the Spirit. We all know those words. The fruit of the Spirit is dot, dot, dot. But the start and the end of that passage, it talks about walking by the Spirit and keeping in step with the Spirit. 
This is what Paul says. He says, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Why? Because he says they're opposite directions. They're opposed. The sinful nature of the flesh and the, the way of the Spirit are different directions. And so my focus shouldn't be how do I avoid the line. The focus should be how do I walk with the Spirit into this newness of life. And in those verses, Paul makes it really clear what are the works of the flesh. He talks about jealousy and envy. He talks about sexual immorality. He talks about greed. He talks about drunkenness. He talks about all these things that are works of the flesh. And he says, instead, walk with the Spirit. And he talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Those are the things that God wants to produce in us as we walk with him. Like Donna said at the start, there's that action of putting on. There's the action of walking. But you don't have to make the armor. <laughs> you know, you don't have to sort of figure out what do I need. Like, you just put it on. God's given what you need. Walk in that. You don't have to grow the fruit yourself. <laughs> It's the Spirit's fruit. It's the fruit of the Spirit. He just says, walk. Walk with me. And I'll grow that in your life. You want to become more loving? You want to become more peaceful, more gracious? That's what God wants to do in your life. So walk with Him. Away from the line towards His kingdom. Because that's the third thing. The direction of the Spirit is towards life in the kingdom. And there's this great verse in, in Romans 14 verse 17, where Paul writes, The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. I think we've got it on the screen there. The kingdom of God. See, Paul's been talking about, in this section, he's talking about the Jews and Gentiles, and the Jews are wanting the Gentiles to follow these food laws and follow these you know, things that they've had all this life. And Paul's saying, no, 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 like, you're missing the point. The kingdom of God, living with Jesus as king, is not a matter of do's and don'ts. It's not a religious way of doing things. Like, if we're just ticking boxes, we're missing the point. What Paul is saying is that this is a direction that is set by a relationship. That if we are in the Holy Spirit, he wants to move us in his kingdom towards peace, towards righteousness, and towards joy. That is life in the Spirit, and that is life in the kingdom of God, having Jesus as king. It's not a matter of do's and don'ts. It's a relationship that now gives us a direction forward. And so really quickly, as we look at those three things, righteousness. Are you in a right relationship with God? Are you moving to know him more? I mean, that's what, that's what Romans has just been hammering home all throughout. The righteousness of God, the righteousness of God, that we are made right with Him. Do you know that? Do you believe that? Are you moving and growing in that? And one of the big evidences of this is are you in right relationship with other people? Like a proper vertical relationship with God affects our horizontal relationships with others. God says, like, you cannot love God and not love the people around you. It doesn't work. 
You cannot receive the forgiveness of God and not forgive the people around you. So are you growing as a person of love? Not just for God, but also for the people around you. That's what the Spirit wants to do in us. Secondly, peace. You know, this understanding of peace is not a state of mind, a state of being. It's not just something that I feel from time to time and my head is all clear and I feel, you know, peace. No, this biblical idea of peace, most of the times when the Bible talks about peace, it's more of a state of being, a sense of completeness and wholeness. You know, our world doesn't need more people who can find pockets of peace. Like anyone can find a pocket of peace, you know. Put your music on, go for a walk in nature, use the meditation app, go explore this, you know, new age spirituality. Like anyone can find a pocket of peace and have like a nice tranquil time for a moment. But what the Spirit wants to move in us, what God wants to move in us is that actually we become people who are at peace. Who are complete and whole because we know who we are. We know who our God is and we know what He's doing in this world. And so we've trusted Him and we're at peace. You know, Edward Friedman, who's a, a, a Jewish counselor in, the, in America sort of 20, 30 years ago, he talks about being a non-anxious presence. And I love that sort of, that line, that phrase. That what if that's what God wants to do in us, to be a non-anxious presence. To still be present in a world of chaos, to still be present in a world that's broken and sinful, but to actually be at peace. To not be anxious about all that's going on, but to actually know deep inside that actually I am a child of God. And my father's a good, good father, and he's perfect in all of his ways, and I'm going to trust that. And that's actually going to lead to this inner peace that I carry with me everywhere. So, are we growing in righteousness? Are we growing in peace? Number three, are we growing in joy? C.S. Lewis writes that joy is the serious business of heaven. Joy is the serious business of heaven. And I think for myself, I think for our church, we can come a bit more serious about joy. We can allow the Holy Spirit to sort of like just transform some of our muscles here and Help us to smile a bit more. Help us to lighten. Because like, picture heaven and it's a place of joy. And it's a place of peace and it's a place of righteousness. And that is what God wants to grow in us. You know, 23 times throughout the New Testament, just the New Testament, we are called, commanded to rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say it. Rejoice. Rejoice in the glory of God. Rejoice in your sufferings, in your trials. Through all the ups and downs of life, we are commanded to rejoice. Like that last song that we sang, or the music team sang, Highlands. That in the heartache, in the highlands, all the same. 
There's a beautiful line in there. It says, no less God within the shadows. No less faithful when the night leads me astray. The reality is, though our circumstances change, our God does not. And therefore, we can actually find a joy in every moment, in every season, because we know what our God is up to. We know who our God is. We know what he will do one day. He will carry us all the way home, and so we can just find joy in these moments. And so, what direction are you heading in? Are you moving with sin towards death and captivity? Or are you moving with the Spirit towards Jesus, towards holiness, towards a life in His kingdom which is marked by righteousness and peace and joy? I don't know about you, but that's a kind of direction I want to head in. And I know like Paul that I'll do some things I don't want to do and there'll be times when I cross the line, and there'll be times when I, you know, but overall, what's the direction? Where's your heart really want to go? Because I want to be more loving. I want to be at peace. I want to be in a right relationship with God. I want to know Him more. I want to live His kingdom. I want to grow fruit. And the best thing about fruit is fruit's not for you. Fruit blesses other people. Like, I want to be that in my world. And so, will you walk with the Spirit? Will you keep in step with the Spirit? Because the Bible warns us is that we can actually grieve the Holy Spirit. The Bible warns us that we can actually quench the Spirit. It says, do not quench the Holy Spirit. Like, we can neglect and forget and sort of push away what the Spirit wants to do in our lives. Or will we accept it? Will we allow it? Will we walk with the Spirit and keep in step? You know, the verse we heard earlier, where in 1 Peter, Peter says, You've been called out of darkness into his marvelous light. Like, that's a once-off thing. That happened when Jesus died on the cross, and when you put your faith in him, he called you out of darkness, and he put you in his marvelous light. But I believe it's also an ongoing thing. It's an ongoing choice to say, you know what, I'm going to follow Jesus. I believe that his light is marvelous. I'm going to walk out of this darkness and keep following him, keep moving towards him. So I'm going to invite Shane up, and we're going to finish a little bit differently this morning. Where I'm going to, Shane's going to play this song. It's like old school DC talk. I don't know. I mean, I hardly remember DC talk. I just remember in like grade two singing songs in our Christian school music class that I thought were cool. Um, have a listen to a couple of the words in the first verse here. It's literally like Romans 7 to a song says this, I keep trying to find a life on my own apart from you. I'm the king of excuses. I've got one for every selfish thing I do. What's going on inside of me? I despise my own behavior. 
And this only serves to confirm my suspicions that I'm still a man in need of a saviour. Maybe if we are caught in this struggle between our flesh, between the ways of God, if we are caught in this, maybe that just shows us more and more that actually we need a saviour who is outside of ourselves. Who can deliver this me from this body of death? Jesus. So I encourage you in this moment to just listen, reflect, think about that question, which direction are you heading? Just take this moment with God to connect with him, to ask him, to invite him in, that you may walk in the light and know him more. I keep trying to find a life on my own apart from you. I am the king of excuses. I've got one for every selfish thing I do. What's going on inside of me? I despise my own this only serves to confirm my suspicions and I'm still a man in need of a savior I want to be in the light as you are in the light I want to shine like the stars in the heaven oh Lord be my light and be my salvation all I want is to be in the light This disease of self runs through my blood It's a cancer fatal to my soul Every attempt on my heart has failed To bring this sickness under control What's going on inside of me? I despise my own behavior. This only serves to confirm my suspicion that I'm still a man in need of a savior. I want to be in the light as you are in the light. I want to shine like the stars in the heaven. salvation cause all I want is to be in the light cause all I want is to be in the light I want to be I want to shine like the stars in the heavens Oh Lord be my light and be my salvation Cause all I want is to be in the light And all I want is to be in the light
James chapter 5, it says, Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. So what I thought we might do to finish off is I'm going to encourage you to find someone who's not in your row. Okay, so you have to find a different row. Just grab someone. And I just want to encourage you. I mean, you don't have to divulge all your deepest and darkest sins. But maybe if there's an area that you're struggling in and an area that you want to move in, an area that you want to actually grow in with God. And just share that quickly. Often we talk too much, pray too little. So talk little and then just pray for each other. And we're actually going to finish our service there. So once you've finished praying, grab some morning tea, congratulate Mercs, and um, may you have a, a great week. Is that cool? Something a bit different? So find someone, chat to them, pray with them, and then um, we'll go from there.